1: back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We are getting back after it this week in the great state of Georgia with Austin Pope of Dream Team TV on YouTube. Austin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate y'all having me.
2: I'm ready to get diving into some good stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, man. And I say uh, Georgia, but also Georgia and North Florida, which... Uh, you know, we don't. We haven't covered a ton in our time, but Jacob, how are you doing over there?
0: Doing well. Listen, I'm excited. We're kind of bringing it back down to reality with some, the, some more flat land and, and kind of swamp talk here. Over the last month or two, we've talked a ton about mountain hunting. Alabama all the way up through, I guess we've covered all the way up through Virginia. Virginia. Um, but now we're kind of switching ties and kind of get back down to the deep south, talk to flatlands, which we've had requested quite often recently uh, by a lot of listeners. So, Austin, glad to have you on the podcast, man. And uh, this episode, we're going to talk about a few different things here, but we're definitely going to focus a lot on the scouting aspect because if anyone follows you on YouTube, you know, they kind of see you know, some of the success that you've had throughout the years as you carry you know, your, your camera with you in the woods. Uh, and you're being a guy, I found out, really about you a couple of years ago, and it was through the YouTube channel, then also started following you on Facebook, and I've always kind of waited, it kind of had you on the sideline a little bit, like, when are we going to bring out, you know, the Austin card to get you on the podcast, and finally, <laughs> we're bringing that card out today, and uh, and getting you on the show for once, but uh, I'm excited, dude, you know, it seems like you have a ton of success and, and fun chasing, you know, white tails and black bear, which we'll save for another episode, though, uh, in the great state of Georgia and Florida, or at least bear, though, in Georgia, and uh, there's a lot here to talk about, dude. So to kind of kick us off, can you give us just your, your quick run through of the region of the state that you're kind of from, and also you know your stomping grounds as it comes to like what kind of habitat do you feel the most confident? Because that'll give the listeners a like, really good idea of what we're going to be breaking down today.
2: Yeah, so where I'm based out of is primarily the northern region uh, of Florida, and uh, originally actually from the Tampa area, but I haven't done too much hunting down in that in that zone a little bit. On uh, special opportunity quotas, but um, pretty much based all in North Florida. Like you said, I go out to Georgia, hunting all around South Georgia, Middle Georgia. And for those that hunt the public lands, they would all know that you have an absolute uh, dispersed amount of lands that can vary in the habitats. And a lot of what I hunt really in Georgia and Florida, but primarily in Florida, is a lot of pines and a lot of sporadic little bay heads that you have spread out through your pine forest. Um, you've got some areas if you go towards like the panhandle or whatnot, you can get a lot more of a hilly type habitat based on where you're at in the panhandle. Maybe not nowhere's near what y'all have out there in your region, um, but definitely a little bit more top- topography type hunting. And you get good creek beds, river bottoms. Uh, same with the Georgia. You know, there's some areas you can get them nice creek bed and river bottoms, but I would say every bit of 75% of all of my hunting are the thick pines and swampy habitats. If you can imagine the Okefenokee National Wildlife Refuge that's located in South Georgia, that type of terrain mixed with a little bit of pines. That's, that that gives you a good idea of the type of hunting of areas that I'm doing. What kind of, can you describe those pines a
1: little bit? Uh, are we talking like longleaf pine savannas or, or loblolly plantations that are just kind of thicker or, or what, what are those pines like in most cases? Yeah, most of the
2: time it's the longleaf pines, majority, majority. Um, I I can't think of what the name is of those one pines. I really don't see too many of them, but I do have one management area in particular that I hunt that is very thick with them. Uh, Y'all may know, you may have some in your area, but they're the shorter pines. They only grow to get, let's say, maybe 30 foot, 40 foot, and their limbs go all the way to the base of the tree, like from the top to the bottom, stretching out limbs y'all got those in your
1: area maybe a white pine or something i don't know i'd have to see a picture of it slash pine
2: yeah i can't recall what it is but regardless uh it's not very plentiful throughout the state it's literally one management area that i hunt that's got a lot of them mixed in with it and it's a pain in the butt to hunt because it's so thick with them you can't hardly see more than 40 yards majority of where you're hunting at but definitely a uh, majority is the longleaf pines that we're hunting
1: and what about the swamp? What about uh, what kind of trees make up a lot
2: of your swamp habitat? Pretty much the entire base of those trees, they're going to be in those swamps, are going to be your cypress trees and a lot of black gum trees. And the black gum trees is one thing we can get going on that I like to focus on in the swamps in regards to uh, food source for deer and, and for bear. But like I said, we're going to save that for something else. But uh, deer also. A good food source for them can be a little hard to digest, just like acorns. Um, But in my region where I'm hunting, uh, our public lands primarily are the pines and the swamps. We don't. Our FWC not going to, which is our Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation, not going to knock them, but. If you look at how they manage our lands and our deer population compared to literally virtually any other state, it is not really that great, especially our neighboring state of Georgia. Uh, they do a phenomenal job in taking care of their deer and taking care of their management areas Uh, with planning food plots and strategic hunting dates and how they just manage the area in general. Um, But here, it's really just a free-for-all for for the deer. It's, hey, you've got some woods that you can live in, make the best of it. So we really have to work hard in regards to our search for food, just like the deer do. got a hard search for food. There's a lot of browse that they're primarily doing. Matter of fact, one deer I shot last year, uh, in the panhandle, I decided to bust his uh, gut open when I was gutting him, and he was just absolutely filled with daggum gallberry leaves. And that's one thing that I've noticed a lot of our deer out here are just hammering is daggum gallberry leaves. Do y'all have those up in Alabama? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that t- that tends to seem to be one of the big brows that they really hit. Uh, but one thing I really look for, honestly, is trying to find little patches and again certain management areas it's going to vary but one new one that i just found just this year and i'm really excited about hunting because i really believe not many people know about it and the reason i say that is because i only way i found out about it was a local game warden brought it up to me that i'm friends with and he said hey this is a new place hasn't even been published nobody's going to know about it and it's surrounded by a hunt club So it's 13,000 acres surrounded by a hunt club that isn't even marked as a management area to hunt. And it goes all by private land season dates. And this management area primarily is all pines, again, with little patches of bayhead swamps. But you have these little patches. And when I say little patches, I'm talking maybe acres, one acre of oak trees. It's like if somebody just went there and planted it so perfectly for you to hunt, just scattered throughout these pines. And the amount of deer tracks that I'm finding in these things, even now, I mean, obviously the acorns ain't even developed yet. They're just barely starting. And the deer tracks I'm finding in these things are insane. So that's one thing I'm definitely planning come time they start dropping, Really going to be hitting hard with the cameras trying to figure out what's getting in that. Which is a perfect segue because I want to get into your trail cam
0: strategy and kind of what you do here. Because you're hunting areas, you know, a lot more kind of flatland compared to what we've talked about and even areas that me and Andrew have had, you know, success in and also places we've hunted. We don't hunt a lot of flatlands. We live in a part of the state and hunt a lot of states that just it's a lot more hill country. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to kind of get your perspective here. But can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, trail camera use and maybe some of the success that you've had implementing trail cameras when it comes to locating bachelor groups in the summertime and kind of start working our way through this conversation because i think there's gonna be a lot more details that come out with this but i'm just interested in how you're implementing trail cameras and how you're building profiles on some of these deer to figure out you know how you're going to go about hunting this fall
2: yeah absolutely so one thing that is, I just take you step by step on how I would approach, like, for instance, a good example is this new management area that I've uh, come to find is the very first thing I do. Now, granted, we're in June, so it's a really early time. You know, a lot of people on the public lands aren't really putting cameras out quite yet, getting ready, you know, more focused on fishing right now and staying out of the 100-degree weather. But first thing I'm doing is getting on the Google Earth, and I'm outlining the entire management area. And as soon as I do that, I'm going straight to Scout and trying to find the differences in where the swamp heads are at located on the management area, your drive-in roads versus your walk-in roads. And what I mean by that is obviously your drive-in roads are roads that you can drive on. Your walk-in roads are obviously roads that you can only walk on. And so I'm trying to stay away from mainly a lot of the driving but i'm looking also for pines that may not have quite as thick of underbrush and the reason i'm doing that right now normally during the hunting season i wouldn't quite be looking for that but right now i'm doing that in regards to when the deer are growing their antlers as most know, some may not is that they're very sensitive on their antlers when they're growing them out and they can be broke torn ripped very Easily, So you're not going to be finding your bucks that are growing their antlers out in just the thickest, nastiest cover that you would normally try to hunt, at least I normally would try to hunt during the season when they're starting to get the pressure on because they whack their head one good time on some thick brush and it can jack up their antlers pretty decent. So what I'm trying to find is more the upland pines that maybe have... The gallberries, kind of maybe a little thicker with gallberries because they're pretty flexible. You know, you hit that with, it's not really going to cut you up or anything. It's going to bend pretty good. Uh, But I try to find those areas, setting the cameras on maybe some road systems, the foot trails. Even though you may get some people that, you know, keeping the uh, dishonest person and they may take your camera. But I like setting them right on the foot trails because I tend to find more activity. In those low brush, uh, more grassy type terrains of finding particularly the bucks right now is obviously what we're more looking for. Um, I try to stay out of the swamp heads this time of year. I don't really see any point in going in there because, again, you have more of the thicket. That's going to be very sensitive on deer. If you can find yourself a nice river bottom, like out in the panhandle, there's a couple management areas I hunt that do have some very beautiful open river bottoms i would definitely set cameras in there because again i'm i'm really just putting my focus out of thickets and i stress that just because when we go to talking about the hunting aspect i often stress hunting the thicket that's really my strategy in regards to that so on the scouting early season while they're still growing totally opposite and a lot of people this will tie into that. A lot of people say, well, I got all these bucks on camera, and as soon as they shed their their velvet, they're gone, and I never see them again. Well, that's because they're transitioning from their summer habitat, which is the light brush, you know, let's keep our antlers safe from getting whacked with some heavy briars and junk, getting out of that and going into that thick cover where they feel a lot more secure and safe. And uh, that's really just where I try to try to tie my camera scouting uh, wow. into that aspect there and then of course it all comes into you know your rotations of checking your cameras whether it be you go out there every two weeks every four weeks, six weeks, whatever you want personally I do a four to six week rotation with checking all of my cameras and I just start bouncing around Like this place that I just found, there's a lot of bouncing going on right now that place. I've moved them cameras so many times already. But uh, just the other day, I got a uh, cell camera, and one of my first ones, and put it out there. And the very first day I had it out, I had a little bachelor group of three bucks come in. Obviously, they aren't even growing up yet to have enough points you tell what they're going to be. But you can tell just by two of their body sizes that they were going to be some some hefty deer uh, more than likely.
0: Awesome. Well, Austin, there's there's a few things you've mentioned so far has got my attention. Number one, how you're implementing, of course, aerial scouting uh, or cyber scouting to figure out kind of what areas you want to dive into first. And you, you mentioned diversity and finding these kind of, we would call it compounding features. Or it sounds like you're having different kind of habitat types all coming into certain areas as areas that you'll want to kind of key in on. You also have mentioned so far that you don't want to necessarily get any kind of th- super thick, hardy cover um, and you're finding a lot of these bucks more in these these more open areas. Whether it's you know in some of these situations it might be an open river bottom, or more areas with more kind of like your your taller grasses and stuff. That's not hard like a, a woody browse or a like briar or anything like that. Like uh, you mentioned the gallberry bushes again earlier uh, as an area again you're kind of finding these bucks right now in the summertime. But one question I have is. When you're looking at areas like this, that you're talking flat land, you're talking areas that also have some swamp in there as well, and you're trying to find these areas that you want to kind of go in and scout, a couple things. If you're going to put a trail camera out, what are going to the considerations for trail camera location? I mean, is it like 100% just based off cyber scouting? Are you going in there confirming their sign there as well? Um, or is it something that's maybe a little more kind of generic where you're just trying to cast as many cameras out there as possible, see what sticks and kind of move it from there?
2: Yeah, so basically uh, one in three of what you said uh, going in there. And, of course, you know, you're know you looking over the overlay of the land because, as I'm sure you all know, when you cyber scout, what you're seeing on the computer versus when you get there, about a little over half the time, it ain't going to be nothing like what you thought it was going to be whenever you get there. And so I'm looking for right now, this time of year, honestly, is obviously just making sure that it's what I'm imagining when I see online, but also I'm just looking for straight tracks, tracks and trails. Uh, Generally, I'm not much of a, you know, let's find some tracks and then, yeah, this is going to be a great place to hunt. Uh, That's just not really my style in regards to that. But this time of year, it's finding the tracks, finding the nice, making sure it's what I've seen online that I'm trying to find that nice, more open type terrain and then just bouncing the cameras just sporadically. Uh, again, for this new place, I feel it's a good example just because it's new to me and a lot of people may be new in certain areas, and uh, it's really just bouncing around until you start finding consistencies And in, in regards to you want. Consistent is everything, and one thing I tell everybody on my channel a lot when it comes to scouting is even if it's during the hunting season and you only got a couple of days to hunt one particular area, whether it be a quota or something, old sign is a good sign. I don't care if it's a rub from two years ago. If I find a rub from two years ago, I'm still getting on um, my hunt stand app and they're not sponsored to me or anything like that. I just like that app. Onyx is a good one too, but I like the hunt stand and I'm marking that. Now on that app, you can change the colorations of your markers. And so I have a certain color for the old sign and a different color for new sign. So that way I can distinguish all of that, but old sign is one of the best scouting finds that you can get because if you find that old sign there, there's a reason it's there and that's because you can about guarantee year after year there's going to be bucks hitting that same sign if we're talking regards to you know old rubs or scrapes that haven't been covered over yet. That's like here in this new place, there's a couple of scrapes that still haven't even been covered over. They're not community scrapes that are sitting there still getting to work during the summer. They're just scrapes from last rut that just haven't been covered up. And all of that stuff I'm marking down, and I'm not necessarily putting cameras there. I have one spot out there that I've put a camera that I found a bunch of old rubs, and that's just because it's nice and open, kind of like what I was referencing earlier, you know, not a lot of uh, thick overbrush and whatnot. So you got the nice old sign of old rubs. There's a lot of tracks there that are fresh. And so I just find me a nice intersection, which is another uh, instance I like finding is where you have two trails and not referencing deer trails, but like foot trails that meet two different foot trails that meet and maybe form a T or they split off like a Y. I'll put it right at the base of that, looking over, because oftentimes I've had a lot of success with uh, the deer walking the normal human foot trails that we have out there for us to use. And oftentimes we get, I don't even know what this grass is called, but I find it a lot on the foot trails, maybe uh, towards the more swampier, Edges where the bay heads start to meet the pines or even where some hogs have rooted up the ground. And every time I find old hog rooting, it starts growing this grass. Again, I I can't recall what it's called, but these deer absolutely love it. So I'm finding a lot of deer that are traveling these nice open foot trails going to point A, point B or whatnot. Because again, those open foot trails, they don't have to worry about nothing lacking them in their head or getting out of place on them and they can just go as freely as they need to. And, of course, right now there's not anybody walking out there other than about myself, more than likely. I
1: was, you just answered one of the questions I had for you, which was if the deer are walking straight down those footpaths, that that's interesting.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. They do, especially for a public land area that's getting hit, you know. It's just not this new area that nobody really knows about, but even my pressured lands, it's still the same. The concept's still the same. No matter where I go, whether it's Georgia or Florida, the concept is always going to be there. Now, granted, you know, we're talking flat land. If you tried to ask me about mountain terrain, I'd say that I ain't got a clue because I sure don't. I've hunted one time in the northern Georgia region, and I felt like a lost puppy (laughs) because I did not know how to even start hunting out there. But I actually ended up killing a doe that trip, and I have it on my camp – on my uh youtube channel but i think that was just a good lord answering some prayers and helping me go to the right spot <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh when you're out there on the search and you're trying to find a place for your cameras are you keying in on a lot of diversity at all are you hitting those those edges between the pines and the swamps or are you more just kind of walking through those more open areas just until you find a concentration of tracks
2: for just the early season scouting yeah Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. I'm walking through those concentrated areas just looking for the tracks, and you'd you'd be surprised that even with having the same terrain of, let's just say a block of woods that's 20 acres of pine, and you've got uh, three little plots of uh, swamp head that's two to four acres, you'd be so surprised at the amount of tracks that these deer funnel straight along these edges of these bay heads I don't know if there's really anything they're eating on it because personally I've never really seen much of them eating on the bayhead. Every deer encounter I've had along the edge of those has always been, whether in the preseason scouting or during the hunting season, they're always just on a mission getting to point B or wherever they're headed to. Um, But they really use those bayhead edges as a good travel corridor as well. Uh, I would imagine it'd be more so for a quick get out a dodge cover if something's trying to eat me right now because they just turn into the thick mess most of the time. Um, but when it comes to early season scouting, that, that legitimately is what it is when I'm up finding new areas just to set cameras is finding concentrations of tracks and uh, maybe where some gallberry bushes are a little more beat down. You know, you can tell the deer are using it a bit more. The problem with that is we have a lot of bears in this area. And so oftentimes you find a trail and you say, man, that looks, these deer are wearing this thing down. And you set a camera there and all you get when you come back is a camera that's on the ground and a few pieces because the bear done found it because you just set up on a bear trail. So it, it is a little more uh, obviously difficult in regards to that hunting our pine flatlands, Um but it's all—I can't stress enough—it's all and just get you some, get you as many cameras as you can. Man, I have some people they just can't get them. Uh, I'm blessed to be able to have ten different cameras that I run, so I have a good bit that I have spread out through a management area. And one thing I also really try to dive with is. I will pick one section of a management area, whether it be a 1,000-acre block or what have you. I'll just pick one corner of a management area, and I'll say this spot right here for my early season scouting is where I'm going to set all of these cameras at. And so I will just walk that whole block, finding what I can, again, marking it on my map, the old sign, the new sign, and I will set all of my cameras in one section. I don't care if it's even 100 acres. I'm just setting them in one section, looking different ways, and I'll leave them for that four- to six-week rotation, check them if the sign's good. I'll leave a couple, and then I'll pull the rest out. Wherever the good sign was at on the cameras in regards to pictures, I'll leave those ones there just to keep them rolling to make sure we have some consistency there. But I'm constantly just packing them up, moving, packing them up, moving, packing them up, moving, and... That in itself is helping you find your concentrations and getting your, uh, your for say your target bucks. If you're really trying to target a specific deer, you can at least say, okay, I had ten cameras in this southeast corner of this management area. It's probably uh, four to five hundred acre block, and I've got several cameras that are getting pictures of him right now. So that right there is already your, you're kind of already getting the range set there. But again then you kinda jump into the aspect of he turns hard horned and then he moves. So it's really just it's it's the rolling of the dice, man, but it's all in your boots on the ground. I can't stress that enough. You know, there's people that complain that say, you know, I go out there and I don't see no deer. Well, if you're going out there only during the hunt days on the weekend, granted some people only do that, but you're only going, you know, every other weekend or just a few times a year, and you're complaining you're not shooting anything, and you're complaining about another guy who's been going out there before the season starts and going out there as much as he can, taking days off during the week, hunting special quotas and what have you, and he's knocking them down. And now you gotta, you got to throw the... the uh, the work to reward aspect into that
1: absolutely before we get into some of the stuff i want to talk about how you just mentioned that you like to break down a place and kind of make it smaller by choosing a certain area to focus on but before we get to that uh i'm really curious about narrowing down your cameras especially in the summertime you know you're saying you're looking for more open areas and concentrations of sign but is there is there another kind of level to that where you're trying to keep in more on those bucks and uh, and maybe stay off the does with your cameras? like, Or are you just putting your cameras on deer sign in general? Or is there a way where you're like, okay, this tells me this is probably a bachelor group of bucks and not a doe group?
2: Yeah, so a lot of times I've yet to be able to find an area where I can get a bachelor group of bucks of more than two in all reality. I, out of all of my years, of hunting and setting cameras as always twos that i always get at least on these public lands now the private land i've gotten to hunt we get you know four or five six seven bucks all in one little group that's walking together which is great Um, but i kind of honestly feel like that's also just part of the whole florida public land hunting in general because our numbers are kind of so not stable, as you would, how I would put it at least. Um, But when it comes to the scouting and saying, you know, I'm looking just for the bucks, thinking this might be the buck or whatnot, I really don't try to get too much into that right now because if I'm getting a lot of pictures of does during that time, a does home range, even during this early season, a does home range is so much smaller and way more predictable than a bucks is. Um, So if I can find the does right now, I use that just in another form of a scouting aspect for the rut time. Cause obviously as we all know during the rut where the does are, you will find the men looking for them. Uh, so that's just another uh, role that I use for that. And also because I like whacking me some does during the season, just plain and simple. I sure enjoy it just as much as shooting a big old buck. It gets me just as shook up. So I'm also looking for those too. Um, and another thing, again, not to get going down a rabbit hole, as we talked about here, but I just thought about this, is you get pictures of your fawns dropping, and you can actually use that to your advantage. In regards, speaking here to Florida, where our rut is very sporadic, you know, we kind of have our idea of when the peak is, but our rut is so spread out throughout this entire state, Um like in regards to for instance south Florida right now these bucks are already hard horned and getting ready for the rut already or in June what is it June 20th you know what I mean so in the hunting season in south Florida starts in one month I believe is when their season starts um, but yeah you can use not to like I said not jump on some of it there but your fawns dropping you know 200 days is what your period is after conception for does. So if I'm getting a little fawn that's a foot tall in March on camera, and then I get another picture of a fawn that's a foot tall in July, you're talking a big difference in when those does were bred. And so you could use that to your advantage of finding your main first rut or your secondary rut that comes into play. And of course, your yearling does that are born late, like for instance, you get one that's born in June, July, they're gonna be coming into heat a lot later than the majority, for instance. So you can use that to your advantage as finding your secondary rut, and I've had a lot of success doing that because a lot of people start giving up. You know, gun season starts, you get the first couple of weeks in and folks kinda of start weaning out a little bit, but if they only knew, you give it a few more more weeks and it can start ramping up just as good but in regards to just finding bucks saying this is bucks no i don't really i don't really focus too too hard on that i'm just trying to find the majority of the population there
1: to get fifteen percent off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP twenty four. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast.
0: Awesome. We got to talk about what Andrew had a question on, which was talking about breaking down a property and how you're going in, you know, selecting an area, putting all your cameras out, and just starting to work your way from there. What is? Can you explain a little bit more like trail cam strategy of like how you'll kind of cast all your cameras out in a general area and kind of work from there, like? What, what is like the scenario that you're working with when you're putting all those cameras out and how do you start, you know, selecting which cameras to start moving to try to figure out, you know, whether or not you're getting bucks on
2: camera, what does that look like? All right. So I'll give you an example of this new place. Uh, one block of woods is the Southeast corner. And as I said earlier, this place is surrounded by a hunt club and this hunt club is, for majority, pretty open. You can look on the Google Earth, and it is very clear cut. You know, it's mainly just got a lot of swamp pads, little tiny, tiny, short saplings that are growing up. Um, but this one particular area on the southeast corner, I've really been focusing on. It's probably, I would say, just a, just a guesstimate. I'd say it's probably two to three hundred acres. And, you know, it's just regular, I call them the short pines. If anybody watches my videos, they hear me say short pines, they know what I'm talking about, because they're the 15 to 25-foot range, you know, maybe about as big around as a daggone volleyball-type pines. And uh, But on the backside of it, where the public land ends and it meets the club again, is just a huge swamp. I'm talking several hundred acres of just a thick, nasty swamp. And so when I first noticed that, that kind of caught my attention because the thing that I thought about was on the opposite side of that swamp, it goes back to being the hunt club that is pretty much clear cut and whatnot. You can actually see the feeders from the road as you're driving in towards the public land. You can see the hunt club feeders on the edge of the swamps, which is another thing. Just We'll get on that later, but that's another thing I look for. Uh, but this particular area... I've got four cameras set up in it right now. One camera's overlooking a T where two trails meet together. One camera's sitting right on the edge of the swamp facing towards the swamp, probably 40 foot away from it. And uh, then the rest, they're sitting just on road systems and, you know, the foot trail uh, road systems there. Um, and, again, that goes back into your sporadic just sitting and praying for the cameras Uh, This area that I have right now didn't really have that much sign to begin with. I found a lot of old sign, but in regards to even finding tracks, I was having a hard time finding tracks, getting into it. All that really caught my attention besides that big swamp head is the main road you drive that borders the edge of that certain block. I noticed a lot of tracks that were crossing the dirt road going into that one southeast corner. And it was probably about 150 yard stretch of just tracks consistent, going back and forth, back and forth. So that was obviously a uh, a turning point for me to say that obviously these deer are crossing back and forth into this block, quite obvious. But that cameras I've had in there now for about three weeks, roughly. And I went and checked them just the other day and the camera that had was sitting on the fork or the, the two-way there where the two trails met, I had that thing with multiple bucks on there, and a couple of them were very nice, already getting nice. One of them actually already has a blade starting on his camera, which looks, or on his uh, antler, which looks really nice. And they had some turkeys and some fawns and whatnot, but just a lot of deer in general. I mean, they were really using that uh, two-way consistent, went to the edge of the swamp, and all I had on that was a bear. same with my other ones had a couple does here and there but that one that has the two-way was just so consistent so it would not make sense as to why even if i'm trying to find new locations of blocks throughout that management area i'm not going to move that camera that's getting the consistent pictures i'm just going to keep it right there because like i said earlier consistency is your best friend in finding the deer even though i know that when he gets hard horned, they're going to move out of there just simply because the type of terrain is not going to be what, what I consider ideal for come hunting time. Um, but the ones that had the bear and weren't really getting much, but just a couple does here and there, those ones are about to get ready to go and head on somewhere else because, again, the consistency of just bouncing, bouncing around and finding, for instance, the one camera that has been out there and getting pictures of deer almost every single day that it's been out there, and these cameras are only—we're talking 150 to 200 yard difference in between them—but just in that one camera's producing almost every day deer, and the others not hard to nothing. So those are those are about to get gone. I would I would consider those low quality. Uh, sets right there and that's another thing to do with your cameras literally get a piece of paper that you carry with you and mark down your camera you, you can name them camera one camera two or the plot camera whatever you want to name it but put certain names for your camera and where you set them let them sit for the few weeks or however long you want them out pull the cards and rate your camera whether it be one to ten, you know, obviously one being this is horrible, and then ten being this is great, and that's what I do, and it helps me a lot because again, the one camera that's sitting at the two-way pictures deer almost every other day, I wrote ten on that camera, so that I know not to move that thing. The other cameras, they're getting twos and threes and fours, so that's just another little uh, tip advice might help you out there and taking your location for camera sets.
0: Also, awesome. I've got to ask you this: Are you the kind of guy? Especially if you're looking at a new property, kind of like what you're doing with this year, you know, kind of changing some things up and, and trying somewhere new. Are, are you the kind of guy that once you start breaking down, say, a corner, just for this example, a corner of a piece of public land, are you going to kind of stick those cameras in there or, and kind of stay in that general area where, you know, whether it's a couple of miles in that area? Or are you one of those kind of people that like, okay, once you kind of get that area kind of figured out, now you're going to jump to somewhere completely different in that piece of public land and try to find another pattern with some more bucks? Because I'm trying to figure out a little bit more about your style, whether, again, you're just kind of like, finding that one, that one general area that you can really dive in on, or if you want to have multiple different locations in and around that piece of public land and kind of spread your, uh, your search out a little bit farther.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I'm going for that 100%. I'm going all over that place. Like this new management area, for instance, I've already tried two different blocks of woods that were in this piece of public land. I was getting nothing on them. I get a couple hogs, but I was getting nothing on them. And so those were getting big fat zeros put on that uh, quality of a set there. Now, granted, those places that I'm getting big fat zeros, I'm going to go back to them come hunting season when these deer get hard horned. Because I truly believe those are going to be some great areas because they look great just from the, from the naked eye. They look great. You think, oh, man, this place would be great for killing a big old buck out in here, no doubt. But right now, again, like we talked about earlier, soft, sensitive antlers, they ain't going to be in all that junk right now. So that's why I've been bouncing around just trying to find kind of like the uh, general vicinity of a block of woods where I'm finding uh, the bucks at. Because, again, I don't expect... The majority, you will have some, but I do not expect the majority of the bucks I find in the locations they're at right now to be there come into hunting season. You know, maybe first parts of archery, maybe, but I really don't expect that to be uh, my core areas that I'm focusing on by any means whatsoever.
0: What do you think? people are doing wrong when they're going out there and they're maybe not having a ton of success running trail cameras in the summertime? Because it seems like you definitely have the, the success, but then again, you're putting that work in as well, trying to find these bucks. Where do you think people go wrong when it comes to scouting and running trail cameras in the summer uh, where it maybe doesn't pan out for them come fall? You know, honestly, I
2: think it goes back to exactly what you just said. It's putting the work in. Because like I've said, I'm truly just bouncing around. I mean, this is new management area. Uh, for me so I'm having to learn it just like any other uh, person is having to do it and I'm putting cameras virtually just in random areas I mean besides trying to find the low brush type terrain that we discussed um, you know I'm just putting them in random random spots and I feel like a lot of people especially if you go to good old uh, google.com and you type in how to kill big buck on public land you know you're going to find the the people that are saying go to the thickest nastiest stuff which of course we all know that is true but I feel like that's a big problem couple people that I know personally have ran into and complained they're not getting any deer on their cameras, just bears, is because they're putting their cameras in the nastiest, thickest stuff right now, thinking this is where the big buck should be. This is what Google told me. And again, if you're not growing up with somebody you know that knows their way in it, it's of course going to be a lot more difficult, but you can certainly learn your way. But it's all in boots on the ground and your experience, and that truly is the the, the key to my success, I believe, is a lot of praying to go the right direction, but also just the experience of being out there and learning from the failures of what works and what doesn't work. Awesome. I got a question on uh, everything
1: that has to do with not only the terrain, but also the habitat. Um, I, I haven't spent a ton of time in the places that you're talking about, but I have spent a little bit of time, and as kind of an outsider coming into that area, you, you especially in these pine savannahs you'll get to walk in and it all seems very similar like everything is kind of a pine savanna. uh it's all yep. got cover yep. underneath it and then you kind of get to this little swamp and you might go through it and then you get up on the other side and it's another pine savanna, and everything just seems kind of monotonous and the same i mean how does yes. that factor into what you're doing how do you how do you decide that this pine savanna is better than that pine savanna?
2: In regards to just the scouting or actual hunting aspect? Uh, Scouting and then hunting. So one thing that I like to look for, uh, like this is, let's say we're scouting a spot that I'm not really just trying to put cameras to find deer right now, but I'm trying to find deer later. And that's another topic you could jump on is finding deer now versus finding them later in regards to the summer versus the fall winter type habitat. Uh, one spot I love, always have had great success in finding deer at for the hunting time when they're nice and uh, hard antlered and you know they're not worried about whacking their heads. Is exactly what you talked about. How you go through a nice pine savanna and it's thick with the gall berries, you know, almost above your head, and then you hit the edge of the swamp. And every time you find a bay head and the type of terrain that i'm referencing you're always going to have at least a 10 to 15 yard gap if not more of absolutely no brush it's just going to be just flat wet uh like a spongy type ground because you're hitting the edge of that swamp there and again like i would said earlier those deer are really hitting those edges of that swamp head. And of course when they're hard antlered they're actually in the swamp, in the swamp heads themselves. Um but in regards to one pine savanna being better than the other, if I had to throw an example out there, uh be like a management area here that I hunt, you've got areas where you'll be driving up to the walk in road and it's a true pine savanna as in you've got maybe a little Patches of gallberries and some pine, uh, uh, palmetto bushes, but for the majority, I mean, you can sit down on your butt and you can see a straight line in front of you of nothing but pines. And then you go and go and go and go, and then all of a sudden you hit this more thicket of little saplings being patched here and there. You've got the gallberries that are more grown up, you know, maybe head height, chest height, but they're not quite so thick that no matter where you're at you're pushing um gallberries down it's like you have natural the only way i can explain how they kind of look to me is they're just natural little trailways that are made out there i don't know if it's maybe where it's slightly lower than uh other parts, so the water kind of just balances itself right there in that one area, and that's why you don't really have much of uh, a gallberry or a thicket because it kind of just drowns out everything. But it seems like they just – they that would be a spot for me that I would more so uh, pick the focus on. But, again, I really don't go just based off of this looks good because there's a lot of stuff that looks good, but in reality it absolutely sucks. So it's looking for the old sign. That is – Really, my big factor that I try to do to any new public land that I'm going into is finding the new or the uh, uh, I'm sorry, the old sign. Obviously, you can find the new sign; that's great, but is finding that old sign because time after time again, you're going to find the old rubs and the old scrapes, oftentimes in the areas you're not really finding them during the summertime.
1: Okay. Uh, now, when it comes to finding stuff for for hunting spots, like let's say you're going out on Saturday and uh, and you're trying to find a spot that you might hunt during gun season this year, for instance, uh, what are some things that you look for where you're like, okay, in, in the wintertime, this is probably going to get revved up. I mean, definitely the old buck sign sounds like one of them, but is there anything else that you're looking for as far as how a spot sets up, like how one of those bay heads might come up into a pine savanna, or, or how an edge is kind of structured or anything like that that kind of tells you that it's going to be a good spot come this fall?
2: Yeah, so one spot in particular, matter of fact, I found it just last year, and I didn't get to hunt it enough to say that it was good or it was bad. Um, I seen a couple does in it, but the days that I was able to hunt were uh, when we had nice, wonderful, warm fronts come through our area of Florida during prime gun season, and it was 80 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but there's one area in particular I definitely found to hunt it again this year. Um, it was... I think I had to tell you here, it was bordering the edge of a hunt club. And you notice I say that a lot, you know, bordering private properties or boarding hunt clubs. That's one thing I'm very uh, fond to put my focus at, Um, especially because I knew this uh, hunting club in particular did a lot of corn feeding not far from the edge of this management area. Um, But this one particular area, you would park your truck. There was no trail whatsoever. It was just straight woods no foot trails or anything like that and i would never seen any vehicle sign parking on the side or anything like that because it had a lot of uh like sagebrush type grass so whenever i pulled in with my truck it stayed marked that a truck pulled in there you know pushed the grass down and it was very obvious somebody had been there um but i could tell nobody was really getting in there much and it was a pretty good pine uh Thicket, I would call it, you know, it had the big, tall, long leaf, mature pines kind of scattered throughout, but it was pretty thick with uh, briars and gallberries, and I'm talking gallberries over your head type thick. But there was, if you looked on the map, it was just a little kind of like a, a football field. It's kind of shaped like that, like a football field, and it was just the pines coming right off the driving road. And it went for. I'd say every bit of three to 400 yards straight in, but it, you know, the shape of a football field, but came three to 400 yards in. And then you would see where this bay head made kind of like a, it's kind of like an L shape, but there was a split off the L. So I guess you would more say it was kind of like a T, honestly, it was more like a T shape, but it surrounded this uh, pine flat and it was thick as a son of a gun in there. I mean, when you, Talking about thick, I'm talking about thick. I went in there with that gun machete and just whacked my way a small trail, getting through there. And I did jump up some deer when I was whacking through there, but that kind of just came with the territory because you weren't, you were not going to get in there any quieter trying to uh bulldoze your way through it yourself. But um this area was, like I said, it came kind of like a T, and it was thick, 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 and I went, I don't know how far in there, but it was a long dagging ways. So it was just super thick, super thick, and then all of a sudden, it kind of just got like a, uh, uh, it was just a wet, obviously you think swamp, but I mean, this was wet swamp, up to my knees of water, just all of a sudden just hit. But with all that water, it choked out a lot of that thick brush. And obviously, in an instance like that, you can't find the tracks there's not any rubs and anything like that but i started following the edge of the thicket just to see where it led because you could see a good probably 80 yards of just the water and it was you know pretty pretty open for the most part other than the big uh, black gum and cypress trees those were still thick in there but underbrush was not in that particular spot So, I would just follow the thicket line, and I went about probably 150, 200 yards of that stretch of the water, and then I backed out, set a stand in there because to me, that would be an area for when the pressure really starts getting on heavy. You know, you surpass the archery season, you're past the muzzleloader. When gun season hits, at least for this management area, as soon as gun season hits, I mean, you can about. You can about kiss it for the most part. Uh, and the rut by that time is starting to wind down a little bit. You know, you're, get, you're going to have that secondary rut around the early, mid-December part. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's pretty wound down. And um, to find the type of buck that I'm really looking for, and by no means do I try to come across as the guy that's the, the trophy hunter that has to kill the big buck, it ain't anything like that. I'm all about like I said earlier, I'm all about shooting some does. If I see a little buck that I want to shoot and he's legal, then by all means, hey, I paid for my license just like everybody else. So, you know, shoot what what's legal and what you want. I'm all about that. But I do like to specifically try to target the more older class deer, the which generally would have, you know, the better antlers for the most part, but when you can kill a older class deer on a piece of public land, that is just a fulfilling aspect that's It's beyond how i can explain what it is just because you know that deer has been through so many hunting season and knows all the tricks and all the places and knows a lot more than what we do in regards to where the people like to be but an area like that is what i would try to put my focus on and again i didn't get to hunt it quite as much as i would want to um i did see deer in there though like i said i've seen some does but again i got to just hunt it on the worst possible days that you could try to hunt a spot and i really went against my own my own saying on that because i do tell people that even if you have only a limited time of days to hunt if you have a spot that you believe is going to be a great prospect to hunt And you have a day off, but it is the worst day to hunt. Like, for instance, like how I did, again, going against my own saying, but I had a nice cold front come through, but I was working, working, working. And the one day I had off, it was just hot. It was one of them 80-degree mornings at the end of November, and I was, you know, not ideal by any means to be going out in the deer woods. But went ahead and went out anyway, still seeing some does. But an area like that is for sure what I would like because I would see that as being a travel way for deer to be where they're already deep in the swamp. They're already way back in there away from anybody, and they have thickets on all sides of them. So even though they're walking through all of that water and it's more open, they can see a lot farther. They can dart and get gone as need be.
0: Now, Austin, uh, one thing you've mentioned and I'm not gonna let it get biased uh, so I've, I've been over here you know pretty pretty much within my mind since you said it was the idea of finding bucks now versus finding bucks later. and I think a lot of guys might have might have issues finding bucks later uh, or vice versa. you know some guys can find them in the summertime and then they disappear and, and you know some guys can't find right. them in the summer and then they find them in the fall. What What's your take on that? And, and maybe what are some of those things that you've learned when it comes to like finding bucks later, especially when, when season gets here and getting back on them after they've gone hard horned?
2: So that also comes with, I would say every bit of pressure and we can go on a whole big thing with that. But uh, when it comes to the pressure, that's going to be such a big aspect in how I approach certain management areas and the way I go about finding the bucks now and later Um, because there's certain management areas that from day one on, they are just hammered with people all throughout. And quite honestly, places like that, I'm really not putting much effort in at the early season because I already know that as soon as season hits they're gonna be gone. Uh and in regards to gone, you know, that could go as gone as like I just talked about the area that you're going so deep in the swamp trying to find. But uh you know, when it comes if if I can, I get on the pressure aspect here just a little bit if y'all don't mind. I don't know about y'all in Alabama, but here in Florida our quota applications just finished up a few days back and that was on the 15th was the last day you could apply for first phase because we get three different phases to apply for quotas and uh, for those that are brand new hunters don't know quotas, just like a lottery you put your uh, application in and you try to get a place that you want to get it's a limited hunt they got limited days limited amount of people that they'll let in there and oftentimes not always but oftentimes a lot of our quota hunts are very productive in uh, deer harvest and sightings. But I, uh, I always love the quota hunts. Ours just ended. We should be finding out tomorrow or Wednesday what we get drawn for. Um, but when it comes to the pressure aspect, there's this one management area that's not too far from me. I love hunting it. They've got uh, archery that is a non-quota, and it only goes for a week, and then it shuts down for three weeks, and you get four days of a muzzleloader, it shuts down for three weeks, and you get three days of a muzzleloader, and then that is it. And it is over. It's over 12,000 acres, and that's all it is, is just those hunts, and then that's done. You can't get in there during the off-season. So even if you wanted to scout that place, you can't. They got all the gates locked and signs that say no entry out of hunting season. So it's very restricted, and that is also one thing that I try to focus a lot of my Hunt time at these places that have a lot of restrictions on them because that's, of course, going into the pressure aspect of things. Do you have a lot of dog hunting uh, on your places where people are running deer with dogs? Yeah, so a lot of Florida is very heavily dog hunted, especially our national forest is uh, primarily dog hunt personally, I'm a still hunter. I don't really hunt with dogs at all. I've got a lab that I use for duck hunting. That's about as far as I go with dog hunting personally. But it's very popular in our state, very, very popular. Georgia's a bit more restricted on it in their public land aspects and their national forest. Very, very conservative on allowing dog hunts. It's uh, pretty much all quota based for their dog hunts but here in Florida, it's uh, pretty chopped up in regards to, for instance, there's a management area that's 500,000 acres, a little over it, and three-quarters of it is dog hunt, and then you have sections that are based simply for still hunt. But if you're a still hunter, you can still hunt in dog hunt area. It's not restricted just to dog hunters only. You can go in there, but, of course, you know you run the risk of you know getting set up right at daybreak and then having uh, dogs run past you. Well, that is definitely a very uh, uh, big sport we have, uh, or tradition, I should say, it take sport out, but tradition we have in the state is running dogs. And it can get very uh, difficult at times, varying on where you're at. Um, our small management areas, our smaller ones that aren't considered national forest lands, a lot of those do not allow, allow dog hunting. They're all still hunt. But then again, we do have some that are pl- pretty split in between of still and dog hunters, but I've had uh, success both on, of course, the still hunt side, and also hunting the dog side. It's a bit more tricky, obviously, because the deer are running pretty uh, uh, crazy wild out there, especially the ones that I hunt in particular, the management areas, because they're getting run and dogged very, very hard. But for anybody that has any interest in still hunting on a dog hunt area, one, one piece of advice that I would give you is when I say, like the saying goes, get as far back as you can for anything else. That is one thing I stress so much if I try to hunt the dog side, is just getting as far away from any drive-in road as humanly possible. As far as your legs can walk when they start getting tired, just keep going a bit more. Uh, Wilderness areas are a thing we have in our national forest lands, It's basically what the name is. It's a wilderness area. It doesn't have any trailheads, no roads, nothing. It is simply just the natural landscape growing up. And majority of the time, it's nasty, disgusting, thick swamps. But those are definitely areas I try to hit if I hunt the dog side, sitting on the edge of those swamps. And because majority of the wilderness areas are very, very far from the driving roads. Uh, I use a bicycle. I have an electric e-bike and I'll use that to help me with my pedaling because it's got pedal assist. So as you pedal, it kind of helps you out. Uh, But I'll just go straight to uh, bushwhacking with that, going off the trails and just going as far deep as I can, setting up on the edge of those swamp heads of the wilderness areas. Oftentimes, you may not even hear a dog. Honestly, you can go even on a weekend. You won't hear any trucks, won't hear any dogs or anything, and it's just like hunting, still hunt side. Um, but, you know, if you get get lucky in the aspect of when they start letting them dogs loose, anything that's up there close to the roads, a lot of times in regards to the buck wise, he knows to head right to that wilderness area. And so you can get some pretty good hunting in that. One thing I do recommend to anybody, though, if you shoot a deer – running in front of somebody's dog or that, you know, somebody's dog picked up, even if they're not behind them, be courteous if the people are there when you get out to your truck with your deer and offer them some deer meat. Cause I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's only right. You know, we're all, we're all in this for the same aspect. The majority of us are in this for the same aspect, which is uh, spending time in creation and enjoying the outdoors and, you know, filling our freezers with, with God's grocery store. On the subject of
1: the dog hunting thing, real quick before we get off of it, when it comes to summer scouting and and finding bucks on those dog hunting areas, is everything kind of still the same there? I mean, you're finding the bucks in the same ways, but, you know, when season comes in, you're just going to make more of an effort to get into those super
2: remote areas? Correct, yeah. So, honestly, I don't really try to do too much scouting, on the dog sides during uh, the early season, you know, when they're still growing out and whatnot. Um, but if I were to, that's exactly the approach I would try to do. Um, I kind of just saved those dog sides, quite frankly, for my, I call them my Hail Mary hunts. I'll tell somebody, i say, I'm going on a Hail Mary hunt tomorrow. And it's simply just going on the dog side and wanting to go far back to one of those wilderness areas and just see what happens. You know, even just listening to dogs or whatnot, but, um, uh, But, yeah, that's definitely the approach I would try to give. And like I said, you can find some areas on the dog hunt side that you can hunt time and time again and not even hear a dog. I've had them myself, but I've also had them where I'm way back on the wilderness area, and I've literally had dogs run right under my tree. No deer ran past me before. I don't know if it was an old track or what, but I've had them literally run right under me. And, uh, you know, a lot of times with that, if you have that happen, For future reference, anybody hunts on dog side, you have dogs run by you, I wouldn't necessarily go ahead and give that up in regards to, well, the dogs are ran by, spooked everything out, might as well get down. Because you guys think them dogs are going and going and going, and by no means am I a, a knowledgeable dog hunter on how the dogs are going to behave or whatnot. But I know that if a deer is running buck wild, being chased by dogs, he's going to go every which way he can to get away. And so you have a chance of you know, maybe circling around or jumping up another deer that's laid up somewhere else and they're jumping him up 200 300 yards behind you and sending them back your way you know you just it's so unpredictable obviously anywhere's in the woods but especially on a dog hunt side when they're running them running in your particular block of woods that you're hunting at it's just anything can run past you whether it be deer hog bear anything run past you at any time it's just it's the hail mary card is what i call awesome well austin when it comes to
0: scouting uh, and also implementing their trail cameras, which we've you know, talked a lot about in this episode so far, is there anything that we're kind of missing? Because I- I'm going to, I'm already going to tell listeners this, we're going to have you back on. We're going to talk a little bit more about the actual hunting side of everything and potentially doing this uh, bonus bear episode. Because uh, by the way, for anyone, any listeners that don't follow you and follow your YouTube channel, you killed an absolute monster bear that was over 400 pounds y- or last year. And last season down there in South Georgia, uh, which again we'll go in more detail on a future episode. But is there anything that we've missed so far, Austin? Kind of on this topic of the scouting, because it's interesting. Again, you have a lot of success with it, and it's something that definitely not everybody does. Again, focus on a lot of summer scouting and running a lot of trail cameras, but clearly it's working for you. So, is there anything else
2: that you know maybe we can kind of end this episode on? One thing I would say because. Again, like I said at the very beginning of this, I know that I'm I'm very blessed to have my business where I can go out a lot more than the majority of people can. So I know I'm able to put a lot more time than uh, most do. But what I would say is, if you're that. You know, the weekend warrior, you don't get time to be going out all, always putting boots on the ground. You don't have the time to be setting cameras, you know, what have you. And you simply just putting in what you find cyber scouting and boots on the ground. If it were me, one thing I would tell you to do is just this saying this is how I'm doing. It. If I'm weekend warriors, I'm going to be doing the cyber scouting for actual hunting season I'm not going to give a crap about none of this early season stuff right now this is just if it was me and I can't have time to even do this stuff I'm going to save my time for when it's the hunting season and I'm going to go out looking particularly boots on the ground in areas I plan to hunt when the deer are hard antlered and are hitting those more uh, secluded thicker uh, type of areas if it was me I just wouldn't really bother with it right now just Because if you just don't have the time, you just don't have the time. So you got to make use of what you do have. So if it were me, I would be focusing my efforts with the boots on the ground in the areas I plan to actually expect to find bucks during the hunting season.
0: Absolutely. Well, Austin, listen, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, Again, to kind of wrap us up, uh, I'll let you plug your YouTube channel, you know, Working Guys, follow your YouTube channel. Of course, you know, give us the name again. And uh, I know they can kind of check out a lot of these different hunts that I know we're going to talk about in a future episode as well.
2: Yeah, so if you just go on uh, YouTube.com, just type in YouTube.com slash Dream Team TV Pope. That's P-O-P-E, which is my last name. So it's YouTube.com slash Dream Team TV Pope. It'll take you directly to my channel. You can find all of my episodes on there. I've got everything from fishing, duck hunting, obviously plenty of deer hunting and bear hunting on public land you'll be able to see that big bear that i killed last year and i will say uh i've had a great time on here um obviously we could have kept we can keep going on so many subjects but i know we got to keep the time how it needs to be Uh, i hope the way i've explained some stuff has helped people because that's obviously what we're here to do is help people be more successful and with the time that they have because the last thing we need is people trying to take up deer hunting go out Few times or for a whole season, don't see much, don't feel nothing, and then they just give up. Cause hunting, hunting's a dying breed, uh, especially in this day and age and uh, the way that a lot of people are trying to go about things. It's a dying breed, uh, along with manhood in general. But uh, you know, it's 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 a lot to cover. It's a lot to take in. Don't give up. It's going to be hard. You're going to get aggravated. You're going to get frustrated. Just just keep pressing. Because I promise you, when it comes together, it's going to be like be like nothing you've ever had before I can assure you and I definitely look forward to talking about our bear episode cuz we're going to be going over so much stuff on that I can I already have it built up inside me I just want to just just jump out about it Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on.
0: And all the listeners out there, if you've enjoyed this episode and you've enjoyed us talking a little bit of flatland hunting or uh, really scouting with Austin, again, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and uh, key in on this future episode we're going to do not only about bear hunting, but also a little bit more on the hunting aspect uh, down there in South Florida in or South Florida georgia in north florida uh, with austin and again if you've enjoyed this content let us know leave us some reviews on itunes or apple Podcasts. let us know what your thoughts are on this episode and let us know if you'd want to hear some more episodes again talk coming from guys uh from you know more flatlands again we got some interesting episodes coming up guys and make sure you tune in this friday for this week's outro where we break down this episode along with a few other things with a special guest coming on So thanks again, everybody. Thank you also for coming on the podcast. And guys, we'll catch you back on the next episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
1: Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a, a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, we talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, All the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the southeast are gonna be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are gonna be there. It's just it's gonna be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all gonna be there and you you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're gonna get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.